This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Hockey fans, and welcome back to Rotowire's signature NHL hockey pod podcast with Statsman and AJ. Friends, I'm Paul Bruno in Toronto, Ontario, and you can follow me at Statsman22. My co host is AJ Scholes, who's a great follow at AJ Scholes24. And uh, we are back this week for the final installment of our series of four divisional previews of picks in the Seattle draft uh, that's going to come up at the end of next hockey season. And uh, we also have the 2013 amateur draft to go through and redo. So uh, with that, I want to welcome my partner, AJ, back. AJ, how are you, buddy? Doing well, Paul. Doing well. Um, you know, as well as you can uh, during during these uh, these interesting times. But, you know, hey, we had some sports last week with the, uh, the football draft. Um, I won't get into what the Packers decided to do, <laughs> so we'll avoid spending the next hour talking about that debacle. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so we're, you know, excited to have a a little bit of sport content back and and we'll keep doing this. I got to say, um, you know, the, the last, uh, you know, five weeks or, you know, we're, we're a week behind on the show, right? I don't want to, uh, you know, do our article, my article that comes out uh, ahead of time. So it's been five weeks for me, four weeks now on the, on the show doing this series. Um, I'm really excited about the one that's coming out today. Um, you know, I, w- I would invite our listeners, if, if you haven't already checked out any of the divisional previews, if you've kind of just been waiting um, for the, you know, the, uh, the meat of it, the, the Seattle team that I pick, uh, that will drop today on Rotowire. So I would really encourage you, um, you know, our listeners to check that out because it was a lot of work, you know, going through, picking uh, all the, you know, protecting all the players and then having to pick the team. Um, and, you know, there, there's some, uh, you know, difficulties with, with picking a team even. I, I talk about this in the article, and we'll talk about it next week too. Um, but, you know, you can't just pick the 30 best players, right? Um, there's cap considerations. Some guys have to end up in the minors. So um, I'm really excited about the article that will come out today um, and would let our, li- you know, uh, ask our listeners to go check that out. And then, uh, you know, tweet at us your comments about, about the article about any of the series of articles uh, about our, dra- our redrafts here, any of the things that we're talking about, we really welcome you to tweet at us. As, as Paul mentioned, you can follow me at AJSholes24, and you can follow the Paul, the Statsman, at Statsman22. But All without right. further ado, I'll dive right in, uh, unless you have something else for the listeners. No, Paul. I just wanted to razz you about the Packers' picks, and at the same <laughs> time, the Cowboys, I thought, did a great job drafting their team, so we reveal our football stripes there today as well. <laughs> I'm, I'm thrilled with the Cowboys' first uh, three picks especially. Uh, I thought two of the guys dropped uh, to them in, in the draft, and I'm pretty excited about the fact they looked after some needs at wide receiver in the slot, and uh, in the cornerback situation they've they added some depth there and they've maybe even found the center of their future uh with a with another pick where that came uh a lot later than than i expected him to fall and so i i really like the additions that my favorite club made in the nfl so looking forward to the season yeah i mean it, it'll be an interesting year uh in, in green bay that's for sure I and mean, we'll <laughs> see how all this shakes out i i have to wonder if uh you know, if Aaron Rodgers called Brett Favre after that pick and said, hey, man, 
Uh, I get how you felt. I'm, I'm sorry, you know, kind of. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that probably happened. That probably happened. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, hey, we'll we'll get back to the on ice product and and we'll talk about the Atlantic Division player protection article. Again, it's up on RotoWire for free, as all five of these articles uh, have been. So you don't have to have a RotoWire subscription. Obviously, we think you should. Uh, and hope you would sign up but these articles are free they're not behind the paywall so you can dive into them uh, regardless so boston bruins have three players on on a no movement clause here as their contracts currently stand Uh, the first two uh, won't surprise anybody in in patrice bergeron and and brad marchand maybe a little bit surprising to hear that charlie coyle has a no movement clause on there Um, but really you know, if you're looking for a reason to not like these locked-in players, you could maybe point to the fact that Patrice Bergeron uh, will be 35 years old next year and carries an almost $7 million cap hit. Um, but this is a guy that's still racked up 31 goals this season. I mean, you have to really want to find a problem with those no-movement <laughs> clauses. Uh, the net mining situation is, is interesting, and it's kind of tough. I think, I, you know, I had to go with Tuka Rast. Um, obviously again, $7 million cap hit. He is just 33, you know, in today's NHL 33. Yes. Maybe you're not, um, you know, the same net miner you were in your twenties, but you know, we've got guys like flurry and, uh, Lundquist playing into their late thirties. So really you got a couple more years left of Rask. I know this season was a little bit down, but look, Yaroslav Halak is a backup netminder that just isn't going to change. He's never going to be your full night-to-night guy, so you're not protecting him. And I just haven't seen anything out of their young guys to really warrant um, protecting either of them. On the blue line, uh, the obvious big exception name that I left off here is is Tory Krug. And, and I think it has to do with kind of a transition to in the age department here. You know, Charlie McAvoy, Brandon Carlo, uh, Matt Grzelich, are all kind of their guys of the future, right? And Tory Krug's 29. He may or may not even be re-signed after this season, so that's obviously a factor there. And he carries the biggest cap hit of anybody on this blue line. So for me, uh, I protect the younger guys here. In terms of the forward complement, I meant to mention Bergeron, Marchant, and Coyle. Still pretty straightforward until maybe about the last guy here. So for me, David Krejci, David Pasternak, uh, and Jake DeBrusque were all pretty much locks in for for these spots that you know they kind of compose their top six uh, right now. Yes, there's some in and out there, but uh, for the most part, there were locks here. And then Andre Case was the seventh guy that I keep here, and I, I think he's done enough. Uh, he's only been with the club for a little while here, uh, you know, after the trade, so they haven't really gotten to see him. Next year will kind of be a big factor in that, but those are kind of the seven guys and it didn't seem like it was too much of a of a you know big discussion point for me paul as far as boston goes um you know biggest questions here for you are tory krug yes or no uh and then andre case yes or no i think are probably the biggest questions that i would pose to you in terms of protection you know what aj i'll preface my remarks for this team and the whole of this division by saying, you know what, we've had a pretty good consensus for the first three shows. Not much disagreement, but there's going to be some today. Not necessarily too much with the Boston Bruins. I like your picks here, and and I think it's good. Uh, it's important for me to amplify what you said about Tory Krug's situation. He's a Michigan native, AJ, and I've already heard rumblings that he might like to explore a possibility of going home. A lot of these, more and more of these players are, you know, they've made more money than uh, than we're going to see in our lifetimes already by the time you get to 29 almost. And so he's he's uh, had success with the Boston Bruins, but it might be time for him to explore playing for the hometown fans. Or Come home on, Paul. Nobody, nobody wants to play for the Red Wings. Get out of here. <laughs> well, I, that's the case that's being made, and he could really hit the 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 pay window hard in Detroit. They're looking for a signature player too. So that's the case to be made for him. You mentioned that Tuka Rask will be 34 when this uh, draft takes place, but he's far and away the best goalie option here. And you know that if 
that if he was available, he would be snapped up in much the same way as your old pal uh, Marc-Andre Fleury was with the Las Vegas situation. So uh, a lock in the nets there with Tuka Rask. On defense, I think there is some question. Depending on what happens to Krug, we'll, we'll know this summer. If he finds an, ex- an extension in Boston, he'll be on this list. But if he doesn't, that'll be the telltale sign that he'll be left available. And you mentioned Matt Grizzlick, um, Brandon Carlo. These guys are not the first players you think about with the Boston Bruins, but they've been very useful, top four defenseman types who figure to be in those roles for years to come here. Charlie McAvoy, of course, could be the power play quarterback of the future should Krug move on, and definitely the second second best offensive player on this roster, even with Krug in it. Among the forwards, I, I think you have to keep the guys that you mentioned. Uh, with the possible exception, I'm going to make a case that David Krejci might be a guy that could be left off. He's going to be 34 years old. We've seen some regression in his game in the last couple of years. And I'm going to tell you, I think that we're going to see Krejci in a third-line role because I think Charlie Coyle is their second-line center of the, fu- of the future here. They've play- they flip-flopped in those roles even last year a little bit. And I saw enough out of Coyle to think, he could hold on to a top six role here as a pivot. And uh, boy, he looks to me like the prototypical Bruin. Big, burly guy with some offensive upside. So I, I think Krejci could be the expendable piece. And then that affords them the opportunity to bring another youngster into the mix of protected players. And for me, that youngster would be Nick Ritchie, another guy who fits into that big, bad Bruin mold. They need to see something from him, though, on the offensive side of the puck. So this will be a key year for him in the next calendar year to prove his worth and, and uh, merit to be considered among those those protected players. So I do agree with most of your picks, but I do have question marks about a couple others. Well, and you kind of hit the nail on the head there with, with this entire uh, you know project here is uh, next year we'll have <laughs> say a lot about what we're, we're looking at here. You know, guys uh, this summer are going to be signing contracts. That'll kind of dictate a few things here. Uh, and then obviously no, no doubt play on the ice. You know, if you're if your guy Richie there has a big year, certainly uh, he could make a case for himself. And there's any number of players uh, that are in a similar situation. Looking at the Buffalo Sabres, this will be the one team that I am going for for uh, in terms of, of the breakdown here. Uh, I'll get into that in, a, in just a second here. We'll start with their one no movement clause here, and that's Jeff Skinner. Um, I think, you know, you really, this season has been awful. If you, <laughs> there's no way to avoid it for him. Uh, lowest point total of his 10 year career, uh, a minus 22 rating. And then, you know, the $10 million cap or uh, $9 million cap, hey, rather, doesn't really uh, help uh, the argument, uh, you know, for, for people being upset about this. But at the end of the day, I think you are still getting a top player that they would protect anyway, uh, given his age and, and potential for a bounce back year. Between the Nets, uh, I, th- I think, again, it's, it's pretty straightforward for them. Uh, Jonas Johansson may make a case over the upcoming year, but I think Linus Olmark is pretty much the lock here. 26 years old, uh, has kind of already uh, unseated uh, Carter Hutton from the number one job, so I really don't see them protecting Hutton. I, you know, Hutton was a gap filler for them to begin with, so I don't really think uh, you know there was any plan, even when they signed him, to, to have him be the long-term number one here. We get to the blue line, and, and this is where things get interesting. I, I really like a lot of what they have here. And it, it starts with, you know, the Rasmuses and uh, Ristolainen and Darlene. Uh, you know, there was a lot of talk in the offseason that, that Ristolainen would be uh, traded, and, and that's certainly still a possibility. But he did lead this team in, in scoring from the blue line. Um, and I really just think you, you don't let him walk for nothing. That's why they didn't trade him is because they didn't get an offer that they were happy with. I love Brandon Montour's game, Colin Miller as well. And I think by keeping all four, you lock in your top four D-men, uh, you know, pretty easily here. And part of that speaks to this forward group, you know, outside of the four guys that I would keep. And that's obviously Skinner locked in, Jack Eichel, Sam Reinhardt, and Victor Olofsson, basically their top line uh, with, you know, with Skinner there. Uh, you know, there's really just a bunch of guys that I feel are pretty much the same player uh, in a lot of ways. Kyle Oposo, Wayne Simmons, Marcus Johansson, Michael Froelich, even Vladimir Sabotka, I think, w- would put in that. You're talking you know, late 20s, early 30s for these guys. 
uh, you know, can produce in stretches. You know, I would maybe put Johansson as the best player of that group. Um, but none of them are at a point where I would be disappointed to see them leave uh, in, in that sense. And so I'd rather protect my blue line here, uh, you know, just given the, the rest of the makeup of this forward complement. Paul, are there three guys that you would, would take instead of having a fourth defenseman? Or, or do you think that's the way to go for this club? I agree with you. I think it is the way to go. But there's a lot of meat on this bone here in Buffalo, uh, AJ. And I want to remind our listeners, you made a very key point. You're doing this snapshot as of the situation today. A lot can happen and will happen in the next year. And it'll be a result of some contract signings and maybe even a buyout. we got to mention the fact that the NHL is not going to have the revenue stream that it did last year because of this interruption that we're uh, seeing. And so they may be able to to uh, get rid of the Skinner contract if they have that opportunity. That's a $9 million bite out of their cap, and he had a terrible year last year, and, and he's not getting any younger. So even even though he's only going to be 28 years old by the time this draft rolls around, uh, if he does re- right himself and, and return to that 30-plus goal-scoring range, then I do see a case for them keeping him. But if they have a chance to possibly get rid of a bad contract, that's one that leaps off the page for me here in, in the Buffalo circumstance. So that's point number one. The number two, I'm looking at the goaltending situation. I agree with you on Linus Allmark. Carter Hutton's going to be 35 when this draft rolls around. And for my money, Linus Allmark outplayed him for large stretches of this season. So I like your goalie pick there. On the blue line, I have a question mark around Colin Miller. I have been a big booster of this guy, but he's really not delivered consistently at the NHL level. Even last year with an opportunity in Buffalo, he didn't rise up and and snatch it. Uh, So he became like a second-level power play guy and if if he was going to get that chance. But behind Ristolainen and uh, Darlene, he's the third-best offensive piece here. And I might make the case for uh, Jake McCabe instead of him as that fourth defenseman. Montour is, is a lock for me among the guys that you listed. So for me, the difference might be McCabe for Miller. And then up front, I'm not sure if I would keep... Uh, well, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure that there's a case that can be made for another player unless Skinner is not, is not protected. Then you have the choice of some of the veterans that you mentioned, but... Jimmy Vesey is only going to be 27. Zemgis Gergensen is only going to be 27. So they may be possibilities in terms of what the Sabres might do to keep. And they've been waiting on Casey Middlestad, another guy who's only going to be 22. And he was ticketed as the number two center a couple of years ago when they when they drafted him. They thought this was the position he'd rise to. So for me, there's a lot more, a lot of question marks here on the Buffalo situation that will only crystallize a year out. So best guesses that you made today, I could I could live with them for sure. Yeah, and so we'll we'll head uh, right into Detroit, who we mentioned, uh, you know, off the off the top, uh, you know, perhaps a, a landing spot for a player like Tory Krug. Certainly, um, you know, there'll be some interesting decisions here for this team. Uh, for me, if you know, again, if I'm if I'm running this club, I think you have to go towards the the youth movement as much as possible um they they got by with older players for for years and years and they they made it work but i just think um the time has come to you know especially in the cap era where you have to transition to some of those younger guys and for me that starts right off the hop with with the net mining here i think you don't protect either jimmy howard or jonathan bernier uh and so for me it's calvin picard as of right now is the guy that i would look at they they have some younger guys in Caden Fulcher and Patrick Rebar who could certainly make, uh, make a case over the course of the next year. Um, but that would be, I, I kind of project them to be, you know, long shots here. I honestly, if I'm being, you know, if I'm truly looking ahead, I, I would be surprised if Jimmy Howard resigns. I would expect they would go into next season with Bernier and Picard as, as the one-two here and give Picard the chance to, to earn the role. And so that's why I think you protect him. Uh, looking into the future on the blue line they've got a bunch of old guys on on big cap hits here i mean you look at the top danny de kaiser's only 30 but five million dollars i think is not uh he doesn't play quite up to that level jonathan erickson who's barely been able to stay in the nhl this year has had stints in the minors 4.25 million trevor daly at about 3.2 million uh rounding so for me i go younger on these blue line guys younger and cheaper madison bowie 25 years old, only a million dollar cap hit. And then the other two guys are less than a million. Uh, Dennis Cholowiski and Philip Ronick, uh, I think, are your three guys that you keep here. 
in terms of building towards the future and, you know, giving themselves cap space. You know, hey, let's let's think of a situation where Tory Krug will be a free agent. They're going to let some of these veteran guys uh, walk and then they're only spending, you know, minimal amounts on on the three guys that I named. Maybe they can make a big offer to a guy like Tory Krug. So I think you have to think cap as well uh, for the Detroit Red Wings. And I do more of the same with the Ford compliment. Obviously, I think Dylan Larkin, Anthony Mantha, uh, Tyler Bertuzzi are kind of your lock guys. I think they've seen enough out of uh, Robbie Fabry that they really are going to want to keep him around. I like Brandon Perlini. I know his numbers may not be quite there. Uh, Taro Hyros is is another one I like. And then really the only guy that I keep uh, in this forward complement that's even uh, over 25 years of age is Sam Gagne. Uh, Again, he has uh, plenty left in the tank here. Uh, and I think Ken, you know, they brought him in as part of that uh, Andreas Athanasiu deal. So I don't think they want to let him walk away right away for, for nothing, although he will be a free agent this summer. So certainly something to consider there. So uh, I trended younger. Paul, are there veterans that you would protect here or do you just risk letting those veterans, but perhaps more importantly, those contracts walk uh, if if Seattle takes one of them. I think you took the right uh, route here, AJ, in terms of your analysis. This team has to be thinking rebuild mode and uh, uh, not unlike what the Maple Leafs did a few years ago when when former coach Mike Babcock famous, fa- famously said there's going to be some pain here. Well, there needs to be some more pain in Detroit to shed some of these big contracts that you alluded to and give the youngsters a chance to fly. Notwithstanding that fact, though, I'm going to take an issue with the goaltending pick you made. I think Jonathan Bernier performed heroically for this club last year, and they need some stability behind uh, what will be a very young defense. And Bernier, only 31, will be 32, and I think has earned the right to be the guy that they protect next year. Uh, Callum Pickard, not uh, not showing me much in, in the flashes that he had, he's had in the NHL. He'll be 29, and while his contract is only a $750,000 hit at the moment, uh, and certainly something that that is cap-friendly and team-friendly, I don't think you want to ride into a new year with him a year out being the number one goalie. And so much, so little is known about Caden Fulcher and Patrick Rybar. You mentioned their two other prospects in the system. If one of them should rise up in the next calendar year, they could certainly easily make a case for themselves. So as, as terms of the snapshot, though, at the moment, I would take Bernier over Picard in the Nets. On defense, I think you nailed it uh, uh, with the three guys that you picked. The number of the other guys are older and not really as valuable to the team in terms of the go-forward position. So I'm quite happy with those picks that you made back there. Up front, the only issue that I might have is uh, not protecting Sam Gagne and looking at a guy like Evgeny Zvechnikov, only 23 years old. They took a high pick on him in the draft and really hasn't panned out as a pro yet. But I don't think they're they're willing to uh, jettison that talent base that he has. Uh, and you mentioned a number of other youngsters here. That's the wave of the future. They've, they're getting it right on the forward ranks. And a lot of these guys that you mentioned are going to be key, key parts to the rebuild and essential that they keep the likes of High Rose, Fabry, and Bertuzzi and, and the other top-end guys that you mentioned. But for me, Sam Gagne is definitely on the bubble in, uh, in favor of uh, Evgeny Svechnikov, one of those two might be uh, might be the switches that i would make well while detroit didn't have any uh, no movement clause locks uh, the florida panthers have three of them none of which will be surprising one at each position here jonathan huberdeau for the forwards keith yandel on the blue line and sergey bobrovsky between the nets um i really don't think you you have any complaints here you know huberdeau is just 26 he's now the face of the franchise uh, officially with Vinny Trocek out uh, and, and off uh, in Carolina here. Yes, Yandel will be 34 when you get to this point in the season, but he hasn't really had a drop-off in, in terms of uh, blue line production here. Bobrovsky's first season in Florida was terrible. I mean, there's little, literally no other way to describe it for a guy that you perennially expect to hit the 60-game and 30-win marks every year both thresholds of which he will miss especially when you're paying him seven million dollars so certainly uh there's some disappointment there but you're not gonna expose him in the draft even if you could on terms of the the defense uh, in addition to yandel i think uh, aaron ekblad might as well have a no movement clause lock 
for all the likelihood that he's going to go anywhere. And then for me, there's some interesting questions here, and I'll be very interested to see what you have to say on this, Paul. Uh, I think there's four guys really in contention for this third spot. I don't think I think there's too much talent up front to warrant actually keeping four. Um, so I think you have to make the different difficult choice. There's Anton Strawman, who's 33 years old, so he's heading towards the later half of his career. Uh, Mike Matheson, Mark Pissick, and then Mackenzie Weger is the guy that I land on. 26 years of age uh, has started to find a little bit of offensive, uh, you know, contribution here. Uh, and some of this will depend on what contract he signs. He'll be an RFA this summer. So whether or not he, you know, what his cap hit shakes out could potentially change things here. But I think for me, of kind of those four guys, I like Mackenzie Weger the best. Uh, I mentioned that the forwards, there's just too many guys to protect, and you get there pretty easily. Huberto, Barkov, Hoffman, Dadnoff are your first four, and I don't think you really want to risk exposing Brett Connolly, Frank Vitrano, and Dominic Tonato, uh, who are the other three guys I keep, in order to keep a fourth defenseman so for me like i said barkoff hoffman dadnoff all locks to be uh, protected here certainly contract situations there Connolly has really shown enough and, and started to to pick up his game vetrano is a bit of a hit or miss guy sometimes he's red hot sometimes he's super super cold but i think you have to consider keeping him for me i went with tonato because of the center depth here Yes, they have uh, Eric Halla, but he'll be uh, an unrestricted free agent this summer. Uh, and so you need to find some more guys that can fill out the center position. And that's really why I opted for him. I, I think he's proven to be a solid third-line center for them. I get you're getting a little deep in the weeds protecting a third-line center, but it's such an important part of any lineup uh, to make sure you have that locked in. So. That's where I went, Paul. I'll go to you right away on the defense because I don't think you're going to disagree with the net mining here. Uh, do you like Uyghur or one of those other guys? Well, I'm going to I'm going to preempt you. I'm going to say I have an issue with the goalie pick here, and this could be that only because I know it's an no movement contract, but he was such a bust, and it's ten million dollars the cap hit. I think you said seven. Ten. Million. I said seventy million was the, oh, the 70, overall. Okay, right. So signed. you're right. So, but 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 Brovsky for me, if they can dump that contract, they will quickly pivot to Chris Dreger, who I think impressed both of us this past season, AJ, in the Nets. And if he can repeat what he did last year, even if he plays a sample of thirty games behind Bobrovsky this next calendar se- season, that uh, there might be some some issue in the Nets. Uh, with their situation if they can get rid of that contract and that's a big if the snapshot today says he's the pick because of a no movement clause so really on the surface i can't disagree with what you did there for the moment in terms of the defense situation you did say it's it's basically comes down to Mackenzie weger and michael matheson i like matheson's upside more than i like weger uh, in terms of the ceiling that i see in these players so i might just flip matheson for weger uh, in terms of the picks that you made but ekblad and yandel uh, clearly locks uh, well Yandel obviously with a no movement but Ekblad had a re- resurgent season this past year to improve his stock on the forward ranks I don't think I have much of an issue there either the only one that I might suggest is Dominic Toninato uh, this guy was a guy who was a farmhand in the Leaf situ- system and I was hit high on him for a while but he hasn't really done too much in the NHL he's now going to be in his age 27 season and nothing more than a bottom six forward in terms of younger guys that might have a bit of an upside over him I look at another center you mentioned center is, is a position of depth in this organization all of a sudden and Henrik Bjork- Borgstrom fits the mold for me as the guy they might look at in instead of Dominic Toninato so those guys will be in competition for I think the seventh pick among the forwards I have absolutely no issue with the other players that you protected Eric Halla might be another question mark but he's would be the almost the oldest of of uh, the second tier of forwards that you mentioned there well, we'll move on to your favorite club, Paul, uh, the Montreal Canadiens. Oh, no, they're not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, uh, I, I think if, if there was a, you know, if there is disagreement on, on Florida's goaltending situation, I would be surprised if you had any disagreement with Montreal's. Carey Price does hold the no movement clause, but I really don't think uh, you're changing this at, at any point, uh, even if you could buy out or get him to waive or, or something like that consistently voted by uh you know the other, the players in the league as the number one goalie uh that they would like to have 
there's really just you know no way to get around this uh you look at the rest of the organization too charlie lindgren has been middling at best in in his uh opportunities but this is a world-class netminder you're not uh parting ways with him at any point on the blue line for me uh, i think it's jeff petrie ben sherratt and Victor Mete are your three guys here. I would leave Shea Weber in that big contract exposed, hoping uh, that uh, he would get picked up. There's, there's certainly, over the next year, a, a couple of guys could try and make a run at a spot here, Kale Fleury being one of them. Uh, but I think for me right now, I think Victor, Victor Mete is kind of your young, up-and-coming guy that you protect here on the blue line in terms of the forward compliment it's pretty straightforward for this club in in my opinion there's maybe one name that i leave off that uh, i think you could take issue with but for me jonathan druin thomas tatar brendan gallagher philip deneau max dome are all pretty much locked in from there i like joel armia uh yoel armia for his uh contributions on the on the ice there in terms of also being able to play on the power play Arturi Lekkinen has been a player that I've really uh, been waiting to turn it on for a while. He had a pretty decent season, and all that comes with leaving Paul Byron off the list here, but I think you've got a number of younger, cheaper guys here as options, so it's worth potentially exposing Byron. And look, I, I think he would be the most likely, not to tip my hand too much, but if you left Paul Byron exposed, I think he's almost assured the guy that would get taken, and that allows you to de facto protect some of those other young defensemen if you you know you expose a guy that you're pretty confident that they'll take um and then you're not worried as much about some of your younger kind of blue line prospects that they have here so uh kind of a two-fold decision on on that for them but i think ultimately uh i think the forwards that i keep make an argument enough to warrant keeping byron off the list without even thinking about that kind of x factor uh, decision paul what say you about these habs uh i like most of the choices that you made i'm gonna make one thing one change on the defense i like kale flurry a lot uh, aj and i think he's seven years younger than ben Chirot, who has been mostly a defensive defenseman in his career he does cap, carry a higher cap hit too but kale flurry is going to be a part of the defense mix here in montreal for a long while here and so i i think i'm comfortable in saying that, and I expect that he will be one of the three guys that you save, you protect instead of Ben Chirot in that mix. On the forward ranks, you got it right, and the very difficult choice that they have is leading Paul Byron off the list. This guy's proven to be a very useful two-way center, a very good checking center with some scoring upside, and I think that if he is left uh, unprotected, he'll be the guy that Seattle picks, but I don't think Montreal can do much to prevent that unless they make a one of those pre-draft trades that Vegas was so successful with. So if they go that route, Montreal, it'll be an effort to protect themselves from losing Biron, who has still got a few useful years left in his uh, career path. But uh, it's the defense where I I have the only real difference with with you. All right, so we'll dive into the Ottawa Senators now. In terms of of the net mining, again, I personally, you know, I think it's pretty straightforward, although... Uh, maybe this last season there's there's another player that that could make his case but for me i think anders nilsson despite the concussion issues this year i think you still have to protect him again as the snapshot right now i think a lot of what happens over the next year will factor in there craig anderson i would be surprised if he uh re-signs with this team he's 38 years of age and so i would expect him to not be back i think they'll go with nilsson and marcus hogberg uh into the the future here but i think nilsson is the guy that i protect if i'm uh running that senator's organization on the blue line uh again some kind of interesting decisions here um i think nikita zaitsev yes maybe hasn't shown everything that you want out of his game but there's a reason that you know he he got kind of a a bigger deal through 2024 Uh, he's a solid blue liner and i think he offers something in the middle he's not an offensive powerhouse he's not a top shutdown defender but he can do both of those things decently well and so i think you keep kind of a guy in the middle and then you keep your offensive powerhouse and thomas shabbat and you keep your shutdown defender and mark borowicki and you just call it a day from from that group there. There are some youngsters that that maybe could make uh, you know some some rumblings over the course of another year. But for me, I think those are your three guys 
In terms of the forward complement here, uh, I like uh, Colin White, Artem Anisimov, Chris Tierney, Connor Brown, Anthony Duclair, much maligned Anthony Duclair, especially on this show periodically, <laughs> uh, Brady to Chuck. And then my kind of one maybe uh, outlier young prospect is Drake Batherson. He's got a little bit uh, of, a, of a taste of the NHL, hasn't been a full-time NHL player yet. I do leave Bobby Ryan off. Um, I think for two reasons. One, uh, I think his numbers just haven't really been there for a guy that's earning $7.25 million. So I think you'd be okay with losing him uh, in this, you know, in this situation. But I also think that cap hit and the minimal production makes it so he's unlikely to be the guy that uh, Seattle would would go for from this team. And so I think you kind of you risk it. You're not really sad if it happens, but you're also not sure that Seattle's in a position to do it anyway. So uh, you protect maybe some younger guys here, uh, some up-and-comers, and and round it out that way. So that's kind of what I did with Ottawa here. Uh, Paul, uh, the biggest question I think for me that I'll pose to you is the the net-mining situation. Anders Nilsson dealt with a concussion. We got to see a little Marcus Hogberg here. What say you about these two guys? First, I'm going to say I agree with every pick that you made here, AJ, on this team. This is the first one. We're in full agreement on this Atlantic Division preview. But uh, let's spend a moment talking about the goalie situation. Marcus Hogberg did show me quite a bit uh, in his first real full fuller season of his career in the NHL. I was quite impressed by him. And uh, I've seen enough of Anders Nilsson, too, in stretches last year and before to think, this guy's got game too, so they're going to protect a decent goalie, but they're going to leave a decent one unprotected. So that's a dilemma for them and an opportunity for Seattle there. And on the blue line, I might say the same thing. I like the picks that you made, but Mike Riley might be a guy that I would be attracted to if I'm looking at the Seattle situation saying, I got a young guy, he's going to be in his year, age 27 year, and uh, and he could be a part of a, a nice top four if uh, if Seattle comes calling on him. And then in the forward ranks, uh, you know, you've, you've touched on the fact that it's mostly a younger crew that you've protected here. And I don't really think there's any outlier that I would be too concerned about losing. I mean, Rudy Balsers is a guy that, that people have been waiting on. He, they say he's a very skilled player. Nicholas Paul, another one who might fit the bill. But so far, neither one of them has really cracked the top six in Ottawa. And if you can't crack the top six in Ottawa... I don't think you're uh, a serious concern if the team does uh, potentially lose one of those two guys. So for me, the the most attractive piece, although I can't make a case for protecting him, is Mike Riley. And uh, otherwise, I am in full agreement with what you've done here, AJ. Well, hey, even a a blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while. (laughs) So every once in a while, Paul... And I will agree on that one. Uh, We'll talk about the Tampa Bay Lightning. Three no-movement clause guys here, and none of them will be surprising. Nikita Kucherov, Steven Stamkos, and Victor Hedman. Look, these are the three kind of faces of this franchise, along with the netminder, who I'll get into in just a second. So there's really no surprise here uh, about this. I think the biggest question about these three guys is what happens after the 23-24 season? Does Steven Stamkos... Sign with the hometown Leafs to round out that long, illustrious career. He teased them last time, perhaps uh, a little bit longer in the tooth, looking for just a couple more years of playing. Maybe he'll finally uh, come home to you, Paul. In terms of uh, the net mining, I mentioned it. This is about as straightforward of any decision that we've had in terms of of these uh, previews here. Andre Vasilevsky, perennial uh, Vesna Trophy, uh, you know, candidate, and, and mentioned in that he's 25 years old. The cap hit is huge, but he's also signed through the 27-28 season, which at that point, you have to wonder if the cap hit will be kind of middle of the road by the time we get there. If if you know revenues can hopefully uh, kind of rebound from this season and, and continue upward, that that 9.5 million dollar cap hit might not be so bad towards the you know last year or two of his contract. I mentioned Hedman is locked in. Um, for me, I, I kind of did something similar that I that I talked about previously. I, you know, you could go three kind of offensively minded guys here, but I think it's important to have uh, a top shutdown guy, and so that's why I do protect Ryan McDonough here, uh, a shutdown guy that can pair up with Hedman. Then you have your top pairing 
uh, really locked down there. And then Mikhail Sergeyev, who's basically turned into the you know uh, quarterback for the second power play unit. Uh, yes, they have Kevin Shattenkirk, and he did have a rebound year after uh, you know some difficult times after leaving. Uh, the Blues, but uh, I just don't think you necessarily keep him over the others. And I think the forward group is too deep and, and too important to to worry about, you know, Shattenkirk and, and keeping a fourth defenseman. I mentioned you already have Kucherov and Stamkos locked in. And then I think your your first two guys that are locked in as well are Andre Pilat and Braden Point. So from there is a guy like Shattenkirk worth exposing the likes of Tyler Johnson Alex Kalorn and Anthony Sorelli. I will tell you no. Um, certainly, Yanni Gord is another candidate here. Um, you know, I think he's put together some fantastic seasons. Um, but I think, in terms of building out your full lineup and, and into the future, and not, you know, this is a team that's had some struggles with the cap as well. Yanni Gord making a little over five million against it uh, for a number of years left. So I think you have to consider leaving him exposed. And again. If you leave Yanni Gord exposed, does that allow you to not have to worry about a Shattenkirk or some of these younger players um, being taken because you're confident that Seattle will take him? So that's how I rounded out this group. Paul, what say you about the Lightning? Well, you know, they're a successful club, and that's why you see a number of players with uh, bigger contracts. And and it really reminds us that Seattle is going to have to get some money on their salary cap to reach the floor even and I think they're going to find that opportunity here uh, if Gord is unprotected I think he's the guy among the forwards and I agree with the forwards that you laid out here incidentally Gord with the big contract uh, a little less attractive to me than Anthony Sorelli who really proved himself as a, a top-notch defensive forward and was in 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 the running i think if they award the selkie trophy this year he's done enough at both ends of the ice to merit consideration there and he's going to be coming off an entry-level contract this summer so they'll re-up him and uh, make him a part of the protected core uh, in my estimation there's no doubt about that the other guys that you mentioned are all locks in my estimation tyler johnson is an interesting one for me though a couple of years ago he was among the league leading scorers uh, well several years ago in the strike shortened season but that's now six or seven years ago and he's kind of been flirting with top six or top nine and so you might make a case at five million dollars is he an expendable piece so some real decisions among the forwards and i'll say the same thing even among the defensemen that uh, ryan mcdonough if he's not protected he's going to be the team leader maybe even the captain of the seattle team so i think that that that, that highly of him and his role with the Tampa Lightning, more uh, known for his defensive side of the game but really a team leader too and you can't discount that part of his his skill set he's a very good scorer as well so he's got all the attributes you want in a a guy to lead a club and i'm saying if if he's not protected he's the guy that seattle will put the c on and uh you mentioned in that the no-brainer no-brainers vasilevsky's the guy so uh tampa's gonna lose a good player unless they can work a deal here i think uh and and it's no surprise because they are such a deep team well, folks, Paul has been waiting anxiously for, you know, about 40 minutes of this show to get to this moment here. The Toronto Maple Leafs, the last team that we're going to talk about <laughs> in terms of so beyond 40 minutes. He's been waiting for weeks to get to this point to talk about his Maple Leafs. It was not intentional, Paul, to put your team last. Um, they're just last alphabetically. And I went from the West Coast to the East Coast this time in kind of a change up from what you normally see. So. Uh, We'll start with their no-movement clauses. I think the only surprising part here is that John Tavares is the only one that has one at this point uh, in his deal. I wouldn't have been surprised. I know they both signed their contracts really young, which is when you don't normally get no-movement clauses kicked in. But let's be honest, I think Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner, if they had no-movement clauses, I don't think anybody in Toronto would be complaining about that. In terms of the net mining, if Vasilevsky was an easy decision, this one might be just up there as well. Um, I think there's one kind of X factor that makes you think uh, it's a slightly less easy decision. That's Freddie Anderson in between the nets. 
They did bring in Jack Campbell at the at the deadline here um, to kind of bolster their backup situation, and he's he's a little bit younger, kind of up and coming prospect, but he has not shown anybody anything enough to warrant even considering not protecting Freddie Anderson, which is why I say it's maybe not quite as easy a decision as Vasilevsky. You talk about it for 30 seconds and then move on. In terms of the blue line, I I have to go with how things stand now, as we've been saying. So I like Morgan Riley, Cody Ceci, and Tyson Berry as the three guys. Look, I I know that leaves Jake Muzzin off this list. They signed him to, to a big contract. Um, but I like more the shutdown side of what you get out of Cody Cece. Not that Muzzin is a bad defender. He is just more offensively minded. And so occasionally he's not necessarily in the right uh, in the right spot just because he's down ice and then his partner has to make up for it. That's how the game works. That's what he's supposed to do. I'm just saying I like the defensive side of Cody Cece's game more given that I'm also keeping more offensively minded guys in Morgan Riley and Tyson Berry. So that's what I did there. I don't think there's any situation, regardless of what shakes out, that this team keeps four defensemen and i think that's because of this forward compliment i mentioned tavares austin matthews mitch marner willie nylander even despite some periodic struggles i think are your four locked in guys here as well i really like andreas johnson Casperi kapanen and zach hyman as your three other um, players that does leave alex kerfoot uh, on the exposed list and he certainly could make a run at it this year um, but he does make more money than the other three guys there in terms of of uh you know annual uh aav a 3.5 million dollar cap hit so i think you let him maybe be exposed because you have the cheaper guys paul uh, i'm sure you have many disagreements on how this all shakes out perhaps starting uh with with jake muzzin i i would be shocked if you disagree with me on freddie anderson I'd be in the doghouse if I argued with you and didn't mention Jake Muzzin here because (laughs) of the relationship that uh, our family has with that family. In any case, um, Freddie Anderson, a lock in the nets, but Jack Campbell, a lot of people think that this guy someday soon is going to be challenging for the number one role in Toronto. That's because Anderson is a year away from UFA situation and going to be 32 years old, so it could be an opportunity for the Leafs to pivot from one of the winningest goalies in NHL hockey history. I'll have to throw that in as well. For me, the real question marks come on defense, and uh, it's a tough choice here, AJ, and and I know that you were doing a snapshot as of today, but I think it's well known that Tyson Berry really hasn't worked out in Toronto. He's going to be a UFA this summer, and I don't see the Leafs re-signing him. They certainly caught a break to put him in uh, under their cap this year because half of the cap was paid for half of his cap hit was paid for by Colorado that afforded him the opportunity to slide in under the cap at a relatively cheap 2.75 million dollars this year and I don't think he played up to that even almost for large stretches certainly pressed into duty with the fact that Morgan Riley was injured large stretches gave him a chance to had the offensive totals but if Riley's healthy this guy's not a part of the offensive mix on the power play here in Toronto I don't think and uh, going forward I don't see Barry part of the mix and I don't see Cody Ceci being retained either 4.5 million dollar cap hit for a guy who was essentially a bad defensive defenseman this season in Toronto I've had enough of the Cody Cody Ceci experiment I'd almost say he's in the Jake Gardner camp for me I didn't say that much all season long but listeners of our show know how I feel about Gardner and Cece might be right there with him so that affords me the opportunity to say I make two changes from the list that you have and that still leaves a key defenseman out and so I'm keeping Jake Muzzin I'm keeping Travis Dermott who is also an RFA this summer and going to be re-upped at a a team-friendly contract I do believe because injuries limited him and and I think he has a chance still to prove that he's a top four defenseman here that leaves Justin Hall available uh, on both our lists AJ and I'm suggesting to you that I think that he's the guy that is really expendable or attractive I should say to the Seattle situation Uh, cheap contract to the 2023 season and a guy who did play a lot of minutes for the Leafs in top four situations for a good chunk of the year 
I think he is a good, attractive option for Seattle. And I don't know how the Leafs keep him unless they work a trade because he would be fifth in terms of the depth chart on both our lists, I do believe, among the defensemen here. So uh, outstanding work by you on the, on the articles. i got to say, this is not an easy task, and at least there's a lot of room for debate. And I can't wait to see what we both do for our eventual full rosters uh, in next week's show, AJ. And I know uh, that you had hours on that that whole aspect alone so uh, kudos for you for pulling this off and making it such a, a great uh, topic uh, that we could use during the course of the the hiatus that we're on right now yeah absolutely it's been a, a ton of fun to to go through uh and definitely um you know has has caused me to look at teams a little bit deeper than than i maybe have in the past just because you know, you you can't just say you're going to keep this guy over that guy and not uh, be ready and able to, to defend it, especially when I have a co-host like you, Paul, willing to call me out uh, if something doesn't uh, doesn't smell right to you in terms of that. Um, so, yeah, I would uh, I would encourage our listeners, you know, if you didn't get into the these articles, um, I certainly understand that. Uh, but I would definitely encourage you to check it out today when it hits uh, what my Seattle team looks like in, in terms of how that all shook out. Um, you know, I picked uh, a full 23 man roster line combinations, defensive pairings, and then obviously they make uh, 30 selections. So I have seven players that I'll designate um, for the minors as well. Um, all of that available when that article drops today. Um, and then if you're not the, the reading type, uh, we'll obviously uh, discuss that next week and, and we'll see what Paul uh, did uh, instead of me there so it'll be really interesting uh, discussion over the next week or so but yeah please go and check that out on rotowire.com later today excellent work my friend and with that we will pivot to another series of uh, pods uh, parts of the pods that we've done in the last weeks and that's reviewing the recent amateur drafts and uh, this being the fourth one aj and the year 2013 i get first pick in the draft and I think we both agree that the number one pick in this draft is still the number one pick in this from this draft class. And I'm quite happy to be able to land Nate McKinnon as the centerpiece of my team with my first pick. Uh, a guy who's off to an outstanding start to his career, just a shade under a point per game, and want, truly one of the signature players in the current NHL. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that being the the right uh, pick here. And, you know, I'm going to maybe be a little hometown tainted here with with my uh, my first pick. But honestly, I just don't want you to have him. And uh, (laughs) he's a tremendous talent drafted in the third round, 77th overall from the Pittsburgh Penguins, Jake Gensel. Uh, You know, he doesn't have the same number of games played uh, as Nate McKinnon. and, And that's really what you see when you get into closer year drafts in terms of 2013, you know, McKinnon jumped straight into the league. He's played 525 games. So his point total at 495, he's, he's obviously right there and he's, he's a stud. I'm not by any means suggesting that Gensel is better than McKinnon. Um, but you also are going to have guys that I think both of us are going to consider taking that maybe don't have quite as many points yet at this point in their career, but they've only recently or relatively recently uh, hit the NHL. Gensel has only played 243 games, less than half of what McKinnon has, but he's got 200 points as well. So uh, I'm going to go Jake Gensel uh, with that pick. You're such a homer, man. But that, <laughs> that's okay. I understand that pick. Playing on the wing with Sidney Crosby is going to make this guy have a very happy, happy future and productive one. And I think by the end of the, their careers, uh, there might not be a big disparity but with him and uh, some of the top guys in this draft class. I know he's trailing McKinnon by 300, almost 300 points now, but to your point, he's only played 243 games, and on a point-per-game basis, he is one of the top guys in this draft class. So good for you for finding that value pick. I'm going to take the opportunity, though, and I'm going to stay in the draft order this year. I think this is the first time that I've been able to get the first two guys in the class, and I'm very happy to get Alexander Barkov with my second pick. This guy has been one of the signature players in Florida ever since he stepped into the league and uh, one of the league's most more consistent goal point-per-game players in the last few years. So quite happy to have a 1-2 of McKinnon and Barkov at the top of my draft list. Well, part of my decision on, on taking Gensel with the first one is that I didn't have a lot of uh, discrepancy 
for me between Barkov or Sean Monahan, who I'm going to take. He went sixth overall to Calgary, um, actually has uh, has more points than Barkov, but significantly more games played. So uh, not quite the point per uh, per game pace that Barkov has. He, he's a little bit b- below Barkov in that metric. Does have almost 40 more goals uh, than than Barkov. So I think a little bit more of a goal scorer um, in Sean Monahan. But uh, really, uh, I, I didn't have a huge discrepancy. I would have been happy with either. So I I took the guy I really wanted. Let you make the the difficult choice between Barkov and Monahan, and, and took what was left. Now my question is here: Is do I really burn your butt and take a goalie? <laughs> and I think I'm going to do that, my friend. I'm going to take Tristan Jerry before you snap him up. I think he's the goalie of the future in Pittsburgh. And uh, I, I know you were in a box here in terms of when to pick him, but I'm going to jump the gun and saying I've locked up what I think is the best goalie in this draft class, and I'm pretty sure you would agree with that assessment. I absolutely would would agree with that assessment. I do think there's some other. Uh, intriguing options, but I will uh, take the opportunity that you have presented here and, uh, you know, go uh, with a, a position player since I can now wait to take my goalie until the end. Uh, I'm going to flip to the blue line here, and, and there's kind of two top options here as, as I see it. Uh, Seth Jones or Rasmus Ristolainen. I think for me, just in terms of consistency, I'm going to take the fourth overall pick uh, who was actually drafted by Nashville, Seth Jones, as the first D-man off the board here. I think that's a great pick. For me, it was is between him and, and Tristan Jari, but I think there's enough depth among the defense that I can wait on a couple of players. I, I don't know that I will wait too long, though. Um, I'm, I'm looking at the D-list, and I'm not sure that... that uh, Ristolena would be my second pick among the D-men. I'm going to take Darnell Nurse, a guy who is uh, one of the tougher NHL defensemen in the league and certainly has an offensive upside. Right now he ranks as the fourth leading scorer among the defensemen from that draft class. I'm pretty happy to grab him with my uh, pick to kind of counter what you did with the Seth Jones choice. Well, hey, if you're going to leave them open and let me take them, I'll take Rasmus Ristolainen, selected eighth overall by Buffalo, get the top two D-men in this class, um, <laughs> puck-moving guys who, who can get the puck up the ice as well, offensive uh, you know, power play guys. So I'll take it. Thanks, Paul. All right. And uh, I'm going to switch gears and go back to the forward ranks. And for my next pick, a guy who has evolved into a top-line player in Carolina, I've got a pretty dynamic offense uh, when I add Elias Lindholm to Barkov and McKinnon. I'm happy to grab him. He was picked fifth overall. And finding that I'm getting a lot of the top guys in this class, it's one of the years where I think the, the NHL GMs did a really nice job in terms of picking the top players in the right order. And uh, Elias, Elias Lindholm, uh, welcome to the Team Bruno. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I certainly agree, Paul. There, You know, we haven't gone... Uh, Jake Gensel obviously being the only kind of deeper player uh, that we've gone with here uh, other and other than first round talents and I'm going to stick with that track record uh, I'm I'm going to go with Bo Horvat selected ninth overall by Vancouver um, you know 120 goals really uh, starting to to produce uh, in a, a centerpiece of that Vancouver team uh, into the future here. I, I love Horvat's game. He's got some flexibility in terms of playing center or wing, depending on who else you would pair him up with. So uh, yeah, I'll go with Horvat. You know what, AJ, this, this forward rank is, is ranks is very top heavy. And I think pretty soon we're going to be running out of top options here. I'm going to snap up another guy before, uh, going in another direction and that's Anthony Manta he was 20th overall in Detroit the selection he had a really troubled year this past season with injury issues but he is going to be a top six player here for an awfully long time and he's already shown in in long stretches that he can be a very capable scorer in this league with 84 goals in 260 games he'll be in my top line right winger on this club there's certainly some uh, in, intriguing, you know, forwards here. Um, you know, Max Max Dome, Jonathan Druin. But for me, I think the next pick uh, went 23rd overall to the Washington Capitals. Andre Burakovsky, 386 games, 82 goals, 108 assists. 
not the same production numbers necessarily at this point in his career that that Dome uh, and Druin have, but I think he's uh, the better goal scorer of of that group. And so I, you know, I need uh, to continue to rack up those those uh, top talents. Well, I want to get a second defenseman in my mix, AJ, and I'm going to go out to uh, a guy who is now playing in Las Vegas. He was drafted 26th overall in this class by Anaheim, and he's evolved into the power play quarterback and a minute eater in Vegas. I'm talking, of course, of Shea Theodore. Uh, he is 129 points in 264 games. That's just under half a point a game. But I think he's going to be consistently among those 40-plus point scoring defensemen for years to come. And uh, he rounds out my top pairing on defense. Well, I think it's you know uh, we're 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 having some fun here. But I like to uh, you know think about my team into the future. So I am going to go pretty deep in this draft uh, in terms of a young up-and-coming player. And that's seventh round pick, 202nd overall, Toronto's Andreas John- Shot uh, Johnson. Shot across the bow. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's what you get for taking Jari. Uh, Johnson, 125 games played, 30 goals, 36 assists. Uh, he certainly doesn't have the uh, the numbers that you necessarily are going to see from some of the players above him on this list. Uh, but he's a top producer in terms of point per game because he really – you know, you look at the top guys in this draft. He's the only, he's the first one, uh, second one. I'm sorry, on this list that hasn't played 200 games yet, uh, and is really working his way into a bigger role uh, with Toronto. Obviously, he's behind some powerhouses there, so I do think that hurts his point production. Um, you know, being kind of stuck in more of a, a third line role, but I think you know into the future he's going to take on second line minutes uh, for for your club there. And uh, there's a number of forwards that kind of in that range with Andreas Johnson. Uh, I'm going to go with a guy on the Rangers who had a bit of a a breakout campaign for them this year on a team that we thought was going to be on the outside looking in, but they were really making a strong case for a playoff spot when uh, the season got shut down temporarily, at least we hope, and that's Pavel Buknevich. Uh, right winger with the Rangers and a guy that figures to be a top six player here for a long time and he'll be battling for a top six role on my team in this draft class with my pick in the eighth round Pavel Buknevich well at this point we're so far you know getting into the tail end here that you know at this point it's just foolish and or stubbornness by by one or both of us to ignore a player like Max Dome <laughs> at this point selected 12th overall by the then Phoenix Coyotes, um, you know, his his numbers this year were down. His first season with Montreal was phenomenal, 72 points in 82 games. This year, just 44. Um, but you're talking about a guy that's got 251 points in 375 games and a player that spent three seasons in a pretty bad Arizona team. Uh, they have started to turn things around, um, you know, perhaps without him. You know, you can talk about his other uh, frustrating parts of his game but in terms of our kind of uh you know uh plan here and what we're looking at i think max Domi is my guy you could have picked him 20th and you would have still had a chance <laughs> and that's just because of the montreal sweater that he wears but listen to me if he was on the leaf roster i'd be touting him much earlier in this draft i i think he has a lot of upside to his game but he has been too up and down uh, considering the skill set that he has uh, he has had one really good year in his career to date and yet generates a lot of ink i need to sort of see more consistency out of him and i do think we will as he matures so i think it's a good pick by you at this late stage in the draft and uh, i defer to you on that one i'm gonna go back to the defense um we haven't gone too deep in terms of defensemen in most of the drafts but this is a good draft with i think three or four more guys that are viable options on the blue line i'm going to take from carolina a third rounder 66th overall and that's brett pesci i think he's going to be a top uh, maybe a threat to be a top pairing guy here for much of the next several years in carolina and he's a very good two-way player and i might look forward to him being a real good shutdown piece and a capable scorer on my team happy to grab him this late in the draft well, if we're going to go, you know, if we're going to go third, uh, you know, third defenseman, I can jump on board with that plan as well. For me, I'm going to go Josh Morrissey for Winnipeg. Uh, 288 games. He's really been uh, kind of tasked recently 
uh, with being a, a power play contributor for them as well. And so I expect his numbers are only going to start shooting up the next year or two, um, you know, with kind of the transition that they've had in terms of defensemen there in Winnipeg. I think he's going to take on more minutes, more roles, and really be a solid contributor for them into the future. And with my last pick, I'm going to go to a guy who really struggled to find his groove. He was with the Rangers as a draft pick, but in Ottawa has really found his groove, and that's Anthony Duclair. I think he's going to be a lock to be in Ottawa for a number of years as a centerpiece to this offense and uh, a good landing spot for him away from a lot of media hype. This is a guy who did have a bit of a rocky start to his career, but I like the trajectory that he has made for himself in the past calendar year. Well, in terms of my last pick, uh, there I have to go with the netminder, obviously, and there are some intriguing guys here. Um, you know, we talked about Cal Pedersen earlier in the show, Marcus Hogberg as well, both guys who um, could get opportunities here at some point. But for me, I'm going to take the guy who's played the most NHL games at this point. Um, I do agree with you. Jari was the better pick overall. Um, but UC Saros, selected fourth, uh, fourth round, 99th overall by Nashville, has the most games played of any uh, netminder taken in this draft at 119 at this point. Uh, look, he did not take the reins as well as I would have liked him to uh, this year when Pekka Rene was, was really struggling, um, but I think he has the ability. This is a player that I've seen um, up close and in person here playing for AHL Milwaukee, playing for the Admirals just, just down the road here for us, and so um, I really think he has all the tools necessary and I think uh, will be a solid replacement uh, once the, the Pekka Rene era truly ends in the music city you know what we've done four of these drafts aj and i i've had a lot of fun with it and it really got me thinking about people that are looking for fantasy drafts and and fun things to do with the draft if you've got like a core group of four five buddies i think it would be kind of fun to do a, a draft without knowing knowing the points that these guys have accumulated just going on name recognition and looking at a draft list and saying okay i'll take ristolainen you take jones and we go through and then at the end, we tally the points total that each of these guys has accumulated during their NHL, NHL careers. It could be a fun little exercise for you if you want to engage some of your close buddies who are into the hockey scene. But uh, we will continue to do these on, an, on a weekly basis going forward. AJ, we're going to look at the 2014 draft next, next week. And you know what? Maybe down the road, we'll take a look at some of the biggest flops in each of the draft classes it could be something that we do in one episode in terms of uh what we do on a looking looking ahead basis but we're always looking for other ideas to to entertain you in the in the podcasts that we produce on a weekly basis so if there's another theme or thread that you'd like us to take on in addition to uh, what aj has done in the fine series of columns that he's done or in this draft redraft situation please send them along to us and we'd love to hear your suggestions aj any final thoughts before we sign off today well i just think uh the one last thing i would add is i think these are going to be uh even more interesting as i said as we get closer to years where there's there's relatively untested guys you know 2014 um you know just a, a quick look uh you know, how do you evaluate Julius Honka, uh, in turn, who was taken 14th overall that year, uh, has only played 87 NHL games. Uh, and so how do you evaluate him in terms of, of that, especially with him moving overseas this year? So um, it's going to be really a kind of a different challenge, I think, in terms of, uh, you know, picking players. And, and it'll be exciting and, and a lot of fun. Uh, to do as we uh, we get closer and closer to you know today um, and and talking about that well said partner and that's a fine place to wrap up this episode of podcast with statsman and aj a reminder that our next episode is scheduled to take place next tuesday but i want to also say before we sign off today please keep an eye out on our twitter feeds because i'm doing a very special interview later today with a guy that i'm considering going into a a very special uh venture i'll say uh not too many details released on this pod particularly but we will be setting it up on a, on a pod later today where i interview mark appleman the former ceo of the society for american baseball research and we got something cooking on the hockey side that i think will be of interest to nhl fans of all stripes so please watch for that later today in addition we remind you to send your comments or questions on twitter follow me paul bruno at statsman 22 you can follow aj at aj Scholes 24 
As always, we invite you to listen into podcasts to get our tips to stay out of the competition in your fantasy hockey planning and research. So long, everybody.